Amen. All right, grab your Bibles if you would. Turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 21. The book of Luke, chapter 21. Now, we've been in Luke. I, I looked it up. The first message on the book of Luke was November 2017. Woo! We have been in love with the book of Luke. And in just a, f- a few mere weeks, we will be all the way through. Some of you will be like, well, wait a minute. Um, don't we have uh, chapters to come yet? We're only in chapter 21. It has a, I've already preached through the other books. Yeah, I think it was back. I'll get you the date sometime, but I think it was spring of 2018. I jumped ahead as we were heading into Easter, and I preached through a, a couple of those books. But I'll talk more about that later. But we're, we're in chapter 21, and the sense in, the, uh, after, in studying this is that this is, I'm saying it's Tuesday, the week Jesus was crucified. Others would say it was Wednesday. Tuesday or Wednesday doesn't really make a big difference other than it's really close to the day when Jesus is going to be uh, uh, crucified. He's going to be uh, die for our sins and then resurrected. And, and the disciples um, and Jesus were hanging out at the temple. Do you remember this temple? Um, so this is obviously a recreation. Um, and, and so this temple's huge. The temple proper is in the middle there. That's like where the sacrifices would take place, the Holy of Holies, all that kind of stuff. But they say this is about 15 football fields. 15 football fields. I say the word football fields, and some of you are like, oh, yeah, Friday night lights, man, I loved it. Maybe you're out there running on the gridiron, just running. Maybe some of you are on the sidelines saying, hey. We had some, that's my cheerleader move there. Some of you are cheering on the sideline, you remember that? I remember, I remember the football field for other reasons. I mean, I played football in middle school, but I remember more gym class running the 400. Hello. Isn't that what it was? It's like the worst day of my life. We all started off great. And then all you athletic type. I wanted to be an athletic type. God just didn't make me an athletic type. And all you are just, yeah, I can breathe even as I, I'm going to finish this up and I can breathe. This is wonderful. And you're just, and here I and the chubby kids. We're in the back, and we're the last ones to cross the line. And everyone else is, uh, that last year, my freshman year, is like, come on, Scott, you can do it. I know I can. And I've got the pain in the side and horrible memories of the football field. I'm not sure where that all came up, but I was talking about football fields. Fifteen football fields could fit inside of that temple. Woo, that was huge. And one day they're walking out, and they're going back probably to Bethany, the Mount of Olives. I think it's verse 37. I'm getting so excited I'm spitting on myself. Um, Verse 37. um, You don't have to look there necessarily, but it it says they're headed back to Mount of Olives, probably to Bethany. Jesus and the disciples were hanging out there. They're leaving the temple. They're walking away. And what what does Scripture say? It says that the disciples were like, boy, this place is gorgeous. Isn't this beautiful, Jesus? Talking about the temple. And you know what Jesus says? Listen, in a a few years, this thing is all going to be destroyed. It's all going to be destroyed. And that's when, as you would as well, um, uh, you look at uh, verse um, 5. No, like I said, 7. Teacher, they asked, chapter 21. When will these things happen and when will be the sign that they're about to take place? 
So they start asking some questions. This doesn't make sense. And so Jesus does what, what I believe. He answers some questions that are leading up to his second coming, his return, what we call the rapture of the church, the second, second, the second coming first phase. And I'll get my chart up here in a second, and I'll help you understand that. But that's where he's going. And then he gets to verse 20. And we're, we're, we're struggling, and we, we all are, are struggling. In fact, can I just tell you, when it comes to the end times, when it comes to the last things, if anybody tells you they got it all figured out, they, they're probably lying. Because <laughs> it is so hard sometimes to really figure out, okay, what is Jesus talking about here? And, and is he talking about right now, or is he talking about the pre-tribulation, or in the middle of the tribulation, or right before the second phase of the second? I mean, there's just a lot of questions. So I'm going to share with you today what I believe is my understanding of this passage. And in verse 20, we're thrown in. The, Jesus had just said, I'm going to, he said, no, I'm not going to. He said, this temple will be destroyed. So when we begin to read verse 20, are we reading stuff that Jesus is saying to them about the temple? Or are we reading things that Jesus is saying to them about the future, the end times, what's getting ready to happen? And my answer to you is this. Both. I think so. I thought someone was clapping over here. All right. I was like, I, I wasn't expecting that reaction. But uh, I, I, the only thing I can say is both. And I'll explain to you why I think that. And some of you are like, Scott, would you just get into it? Okay, verse 20. Verse 20. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Okay. Let's stop for a second. Remember, Jesus said this temple is going to be destroyed. How are we going to know all this is happening? It says, when you see those armies coming. So yes, I believe this is Jesus saying, listen, this temple is going to be destroyed. You'll know it's, it's getting ready to happen when the armies are coming in, all right? So Jesus, in a sense, is warning those who have put their faith in him that be ready because this is going to happen. In fact, we might ask ourselves, maybe you did, if this is such a gorgeous temple, why in the world is it going to be destroyed? Well, uh, as I told you last week, the, they were underneath Roman rule. And the Jews pushed back on the taxes. The Jews pushed back. And they were sick and tired of paying this. And the Romans, were they were gouging the Jews. Okay, so they were. And the Jews stood up. And the Romans said, that's it, we're coming. They came and went all the way through Israel and destroyed Jerusalem and everything in, in AD uh, 66 to 80, 70. 80, 66 to 80, 70. That all happened. We have that recorded. And so, but why did God allow that to happen? Let me just, let's not pass this up. It's because there were still Jews that refused to accept Jesus as their Messiah. I mean, if the disciples were like, this is a beautiful place, and Jesus is like, it's going to be destroyed. Why? And Jesus said, I'll, here's, bottom line is, this is it. There's hardening of the hearts. The, there's people that have yet to put their faith in me, and they refuse, and their hearts are hard, and they're Pharisee-like, and and all that just to say that Jesus is a merciful, loving God. Our God is merciful. He is so merciful. In fact, um, it, uh, once you give your life to Christ, it is so hard, I believe, to lose that salvation. Whole nother message. We can debate that. Can uh, someone lose their salvation? I believe you can. You can come to a point where you just, you, you like, God, I don't want anything to do with you anymore, and you walk away. But I'm telling you, if you're here this morning and there's any hunger in you at all, 
I'm just telling you, there is a security in your salvation. He is so merciful and so loving, but he's also a just God. And if you thumb your nose in the face of God by sinning over and over and over and over, and you get to the point where you don't even care, Remember we talked about sowing and reaping a couple weeks ago? Well, that, that's in every area of your life. So if you sow to the flesh, you sow to sinful desires, sow, and you're involved, you're going to reap. And that's what they were reaping. Okay. So the, the temple was destroyed because they were reaping. Now, let me just clarify something. Every time something bad happens in your life, it, it's not only because of sin. It, it's not because you've sinned. It's not because God is punishing you. There are times when that does happen. Because he's a just God, he will. But he is so merciful and so grateful. But there is a just side of God. Okay, so we get that. Verse 20, when you, when you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. That last part, though, the desolation is near. That, that verbiage speaks to me that it's talking about a future event. Jesus had the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70, as we talked about here inside. But he also extended this to the, uh, what, what Daniel calls in Daniel 9.27, the abomination of desolation. And that's when, when the Antichrist will set up his image. In fact, can you, can you bring up that chart? We'll probably jump into this chart a couple times. Um, so just to, so you can see where we're at, we're, we're, we're in this first part, the church age, and then there's going to be seven years of tribulation about halfway through there as the Antichrist goes to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, sets itself to be worshipped. So you can, you can kind of see where, uh, where, we're, where we're at in this. But there's the abomination. That right there, about three and a half years through the tribulation period, is what the abomination of desolation talks about. And when Jesus here in verse 20 talks about the desolation is near, I believe that's what he's hinting at. So that's why I say, all that to say, I believe Jesus right now is speaking to the events right in front of him and to what is yet to come. What more does Jesus say then? Let me just tell you, if you're watching online or you're watching here in the room, if you start to daydream, you're going to get lost in this message. So if you see someone just start to count the lights, I think there's 42 in the ceiling, um, <clears throat> or whatever, just make sure you, hey, pay attention here. Pay attention. Follow me, because it's going to get better. I know we're, we're, we're getting the, chain going, or the, the train going here. Now let's go to verse 21. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out, and let those in the country not enter the city. And if you're counting the lights, stop. For this is a time... <laughs> of punishment and fulfillment of all that has been written. Let's keep going to verse 24, 23 right now. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There'll be great distress in the land and wrath against the people. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Okay, let's talk about this. In essence, Jesus is giving practical thoughts. I mean, can you imagine if in 1900... In the United States of America, if someone would have stood up and said, you know what, in a little over 40 years, we're going to be in World War II. This is what it's going to look like. And your food's going to be rationed. And uh, um, so in the years to come, you might put away a little extra sugar, a little extra flour. If you like cheeses, well, you can't do a whole lot with that. But, I mean, you know, if someone would have said in 40 years or so, a little over 40 years, World War II is going to, we don't even, we haven't even had the first World War yet. Well, no, I'm just telling you. So that's what Jesus was doing. He was preparing. He said, it's going to be horrible for any of you who are pregnant. I mean, I'm glad that you're having kids and all, but, but I mean, he's, he's just saying, 
when, when the armies come and they come in to destroy Jerusalem, it's going to be really difficult because you're, you're, going to, you're going to have to get up and go to the hills. He's saying, you've put your faith in me. You've, you, you're, you call me your Messiah, so let me let you in on some information here. When you see this happening, run to the hills. When you see this happening, go, get away. Um, uh, jo- the historian Josephus, um, this isn't biblical, but this is a historian of the time. He said 97,000 people were taken prisoner in the midst of this siege. AD 66 to AD 70, 97,000 people were taken prisoner. During this same time, over 1 million were killed. So Jerusalem, the holy city, it says that it will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. The time of the Gentiles stepping in and taking control of Jerusalem really was all the way back in around 586 B.C. originally. And, And it will continue. It will continue until God says, okay, it's done. And, and we can talk about that some other time. But long story short, I don't understand anti-Semitism. I don't, I personally, maybe I'm just a simpleton. I don't, I don't understand why anyone would, would hate the Jews. Uh, especially if you have any kind of a sense of, of, of godliness in Scripture. So I just encourage you as a church, let's love the Jews. And, and let's pray for their salvation. Because just because they're Jews doesn't mean that they're saved. They've got to be Messianic. They've got to put their faith in Jesus. And we pray that. But the Bible is saying here, Jesus is saying here, the Gentiles are pretty much are going to be in control. The Gentiles are, the time of the Gentiles is, is happening. And uh, it's going to, they're continuing, the Jews are going to continue to be persecuted by the Gentiles. So let's, let's jump, can we? So we got through verse 24. Let's jump all the way to verse 29. Look in verse 29 with me. He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Okay, let's stop for a second. Here Jesus continues to answer the disciples' questions about when these events will happen. And he compares it to a a tree um, and he's, he's talking about this fig tree. So like you and I, I mean, I looked out on my deck, uh, off the deck this week, and I'm looking straight at a tree, and I saw those little buds start to come up off on that tree. I was like, woohoo! And then I'm thinking, what if it freezes again? How will that affect that? I don't know. Um, might be a bunch of naked trees around our community. But I, as I saw that, uh, what, here's what's happening. Spring is coming and then summer is coming, right? We know that. And so Jesus is saying, once again, he uses this as an illustration. When you see certain things happening, then you can know uh, the end is soon. <laughs> well, let's jump back to verse 25. What are some more of those things that are happening? Look at verse 25. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring, tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the Lord, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Now, I I skipped, uh, uh, just trying to get to this passage, I skipped over verse 31. Let me just hit that real quick. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. And so um, just a phrase of, of the, the kingdom works, what God is getting ready to do is near. Okay, so now we read verse 25 through 28. And what I believe, can you go back to the, uh, uh, the chart? What he's talking about here 
are tribulation issues. Once, once we hit this verse 25, these are the signs in the sun, moon. All these things are going to happen in the midst of the tribulation. And uh, I don't know if I have time to go deep into why I believe that. But there's the tribulation and the great tribulation. The great tribulation technically is the second half of those seven years. Um, but if you look at verse, specifically verse 27, this is speaking of Jesus. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with, with power and great glory. If you could go back to that chart. I'm sorry, I'm having you jump back and forth. Battle of Armageddon right here. You see this? Um, this, this is, this is going to be a big deal. Um, this, in, in fact, even as you, you, you get all the way through the end, the, uh, the, you look at Jesus' second coming, phase two. When we get to that point, uh, well, we can read about it in Revelation chapter 19. Let me connect what's in verse 27 with the book of Revelation. Look with me. Um, in fact, just read on the screen. Revelation 19, verse 11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. Stop right there. Now, just, you don't have to go back to the verse, but just think with me. Verse 27, at that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud. Book of Revelation, I saw heaven open. This is talking about the same event. And so, so what we see here, uh, he's coming with justice. He judges and makes wars. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The interesting thing here, verse 14, the armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. That's us. Saddle up, boys. Saddle up, ladies. I, I really, I believe you study this. I believe we are going to come back. Uh, if you go back to the chart, um, we're going to come back. <laughs> when it was the second phase, right here, we're going up. We're living right now in the church age, and then the rapture of the church is going to come. And Jesus is going to take all believers, all those who have put their faith in Christ, he's going to take us up. Why do you believe that we're not going to have to go through the tribulation? I'll tell you that in a second. But he's going to take us all up. We're going to go to be with him in paradise. It's going to be wonderful. We're going to be with Jesus. But when the second phase of his second coming comes, at the end of the tribulation, I'm telling you, Jesus is going to come, and he's going to be riding his white horse. It's going to be awesome. And the armies of heaven are coming. And we're a part of those armies, and we're going to come back. And I got good news. You read the rest of the book, and we win. We know that God is victorious. We will be victorious. And death, hell, the grave, once and for all, no more. Uh, I mean, I got to keep going here. But uh, the, thing, the thing that I want you to see, verse 27, at that time they'll see the sun men coming in power and clouds with power and great glory. <clears throat> this is why I believe this is talking about tribulation time. This is talking about what's happening in tribulation because that phrase right there in verse 27 speaks to Jesus' second coming, phase two. And some of you are like, does that really matter? Listen, ultimately my goal is to get you to phase one. <laughs> ultimately my goal is to get you Jesus' second coming. He comes, the rapture of the church. What happens after that? There's a lot of debate. But ultimately, can I just encourage you with the word? Be there. <laughs> Don't miss it. Whatever you do, now's not the time to fool around, be involved in sin. If you're messing around, deal with the sin and let's get past it. In fact, even as you, as you um, oh, I got to hit verse 28. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Woo! 
You see, even Jesus knew when he was going to talk about this stuff, he knew people were going to get a little nervous and a little on edge. It's like, whoa, whoa. I'm just get a little. And he's like, don't get freaked out about all this stuff. He says in verse 28, when these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads. This isn't time to get droopy and, under, and down. Your redemption is drawing near. If that is talking about the, the, before the rapture, as some believe, I don't. If that's talking about Jesus' second phase, second coming phase two right here, I believe that's where, wherever it's going. I just want you to know, Jesus is coming, and it's an exciting thing, and it's a thing that we ought to be looking forward to and not scared to death of. Now, I know some of you are sitting there, especially you younger ones. Uh, could he put it off a little bit? I was kind of hoping to get a new house. Um, I was thinking about having kids. I was thinking about having a family. Got a few things I want to get accomplished. I understand, I understand, I understand. But ultimately, there's going to be nothing like you and I living with Jesus eternally in glory. How awesome that'll be. Let's jump to verse 32. I tell you the truth. This generation will certainly not pass away until all things have happened. Once again, we have great debate about what's he mean, this generation. If you have an NIV Bible, would you notice... In your NIV Bible, if you have it there, there's a little uh, note when, on generation. If you jump down, it says, or race. So there's debate on exactly, is Jesus talking? In fact, let me just throw it up here. Three, three thoughts. Three thoughts. This generation, does this refer only to those alive at the time Jesus spoke and who still would be alive at the destruction of Jerusalem? Or does it refer only to those who experience the end times? Or... Does it refer to the destruction of Jerusalem and the end times? The destruction of Jerusalem contains within itself the elements of the final end times and thus the service of precursor. I think it's number three. That's where I'm at. I'm just giving in. I, I think it, all, all, it refers to both the destruction of Jerusalem right there in front of their face and it is pointing us to the end times. It's pointing to what is yet to come. So Jesus singled out this generation. It refers both to those living at this time and those that, um, that are coming. This makes that third view most likely. You say, Scott, how can it be talking about two things? I, I don't know why. Well, I could tell you why I think Jesus did taught this way and, and um, spoke this way at times. But I, I think you can see very clearly, uh, even in the destruction of Jerusalem and how it all goes down, you can see how it will mimic a lot of what will happen in the end times. Kind of like, let's just take this into modern day. I'm getting ready to offend some of you, so just get ready, okay? <clears throat> Shots, vaccines. Okay. Woohoo! Now listen. First, the only thing I'm going to say about the, the, the vaccine um, uh, uh, for COVID is this. Let's be very careful not to ascribe righteousness to anything like a shot or a mask or six-foot distance or anything. Righteousness, um, you are not more godly or more Christ-like if you do or if you don't. If you have a thought on the vaccine, that's fine. You can roll with that. I think we all probably have a thought about the vaccine at this point. Um, but my concern is, <clears throat> let me connect all this. There, there are some would say, well, I think... If you take the shot, you're getting the mark of the beast. And there's 666 in the DNA of that shot. And blah, blah. I'm not so sure that's true. But let me just go there for a second. What is the mark of the beast? You know, in, in, um, <clears throat> you don't have to turn there, but in, in Revelation chapter 13, verse 17, it says, 
Um, verse 16, he also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is this, the name of the beast or the number of his name. Let me just real quickly hit this. I just felt for some reason I, I needed to clarify this. So <clears throat> as a for instance, use this as a for instance. So if you could bring the, uh, the chart back up there. Listen, if you, uh, let me just talk to you straight here, okay? If you haven't put your faith in Christ, let me tell you what your future looks like. When the rapture of the church happens and the church is taken up to be with Jesus here at the, the rapture of the church, you can put mark down on your calendar that day because pretty much everything I'm saying to you is going to happen in seven years. This is a literal seven years. First three and a half years is going to be really bad. Second three and a half years is going to be something like you've never even experienced bad. And my goal would be that if you don't make it in the first rapture, that you can make it through the tribulation with your, with your faith intact. But one, one thing that's going to happen is this. In fact, even that, there is a scripture, I can't think of the reference right now, but there's a scripture that seems to infer if you had an opportunity on this side of the rapture to hear the gospel, will you even be able to have salvation after that? After that? I, I'm not going to go there right now. All, all I know is this, is there are even witnesses in the midst of the tribulation that are going to be there to help people find Christ in the midst of tribulation. If you're living in the tribulation, though, there's the mark of the beast, and the only way you're going to be able to buy, sell, trade, or do anything like that is if you get this mark. And when we read things like the mark of the beast in the future, which, let me say this again, I don't believe the shot is the mark of the beast. But I think the shot and what we've seen over the past year tells us very easily how the mark of the beast could easily be presented. If you take this mark of the beast, it's done for you. If you take, I believe it'll be a literal tattoo on your forehead, on your hand. It'll be something that you can see according to what scripture says. I believe it will not be something they'll sneak into your blood through a microchip or, or this or that. It'll be something you'll have to decide to take. And the only way that you can live, unless you're going to live out on a, on a farm out in the middle of nowhere, um, in the mountains or whatever, it's going to be really hard for you to have any kind of a living in the midst of this. Scott, why do you make this point? Well, I make this point because if there's anything we can learn over the past year, we can learn how easily it is to get people to go along and to do things. Even this week, um, uh, our, uh, those government officials that are in places of authority right now in our, in our nation, the, you hear speeches this past week where there's inference that we may very well be looking at a future of a shot, a vaccine, that will be forced on every American. The only way we can really get past this is if every American um, gets a shot. Now, I, I'm not here to debate whether you should get a shot or not. I, I think in America, um, there's, there's something set up here that I don't think the government should ever force you to do something along those lines. And I know some of you would debate me on that. But it's a pandemic, Scott. What, well, I, I, that's a whole other thing. All I'm saying is this. Is it, can you see how suddenly, if, if they said every person in America has to get a shot, how difficult it's going to be to go to the hospital, to fly on an airplane, for some of you to even have a job? I mean, let's face it. Some of you right now, it's not a question of whether I will get the shot or not. You have to get it if you want to work at your job. I know that's where some of you are right now. And so when you think about the future and you read, this is what I'm getting at. When you read what Jesus is saying, when you think about the book of Revelation, it all seems, 
you can suddenly begin to see. I think the, the challenge comes is when we try to say, oh, well, that must be what the, 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 that must be the mark of the beast. Or that must be this. Or that must be this. Listen, what we read about what Jesus is saying and in the future parts of Revelation is what's happening in the tribulation period. Um, in fact, if we get, if we get, get back to Luke, because we've got to land this airplane. Speaking of airplanes. But if we get back to Luke, um, verse 32, I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all things have happened. Verse 33, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Man, if you can take anything, in fact, I was telling the worship team before service, and it's so true. One of the frustrating things right now, again, I'm, I'm trying to be very um, careful what I say here because I'm, I'm, I want to preach to everybody. But we all have to agree. There's a lot of unknown about this, this pandemic. There's a lot of unknowns about this. But I think everyone in this room in Washington, D.C. and in Middlebury, Indiana would probably agree it's very frustrating that the goalpost keeps getting moved. And just when you think, well, if you do this, well, no, actually you're going to do this. Well, no, no, you do this. Well, then if you go ahead and you get this that we've been waiting on this whole time, ah, but you're still going to have to do this and this. And I'm telling you, what's happening in our country, what's happening in our community is a lack of trust. We've hit a point where we don't know who we can trust. And for some of you, you might be like, Scott, I, I just trust the government that they know what they're doing. But I'm telling you, I have a real sense of a lack of trust. And we are, we are kidding ourselves if we don't think it's going to eventually, it's going to work its way into our kids. And we're going to begin to see rebelliousness and, and a distrust of even mom and dad. And we've, we've got to parent that out. We've got to ask the Lord to give us wisdom. Trust one another in marriages. Listen, it's going gonna, it's gonna to try to bleed into our marriages. It's going to try to bleed into our families. But I got good news for you today. Because even if you choose not to trust me, even if you choose not to trust Scott Miller, I got great news for you. Heaven and earth are going to pass away. Bring the chart up. Heaven and earth are going to pass away. The eternal state, let me tell you what that looks like. It's the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, you can believe whatever you want to do, uh, believe about um, uh, global warming. You can believe whatever you want to believe about if the temperatures are changing. But I'm telling you, ultimately, there will be a destruction of this earth and the heaven. And there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. And it's going to be because God put it into order. It's going to happen. And that's where we're going to spend the eternal stay with God. It's going to be awesome. But this is what I want you to know. Even if you have a hard time trusting anyone else and trusting me, there is something you can always put your faith and trust in. Heaven and earth are going to pass away, but my word will never, never, never pass away. You can always put your faith and your trust in the word of God. Can you say amen? You can always put your faith in the word of God. This is truth. Listen, there will be people that will let you down. There will be people even in this church that will let you down. But God will never let us down. And his word never returns void. And even the stringy thing is anointed there. Look at that. It's just, it's waving. Amen. God's word is truth. Oh, we got we to gotta finish this up. 
Revelation chapter 21, verse 1 speaks of that. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and earth, heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I, I don't have time to get into that, but I'm just telling you, it's going to be a wonderful thing. Scripture says there in front of you, the new earth, all the way at the end of that, you don't have to bring it up, but all the way at the end of that chart, the new earth will be free from sin. It'll be free from evil, from sickness, from suffering, from death. It'll be similar to our current earth, but without the curse of sin. Can you imagine that? It will be earth as God originally intended to be. It'll be Eden restored in the new heavens and the new earth. I'll tell you what that scripture says right there. There are seven things notable. Um, they're notable absence. Seven things that are no more. No more sea, no more death, no more mourning, no more weeping, no more pain, no more curse, no more night. If you, you're just sick and tired of that sin in your life, you're like, I am so sick of over and over and over again struggling. God, I just am pleading with you. Set me free. I hate, I hate this about myself that I, I keep struggling with this sin. Let me tell you, eternity, no more sin. How wonderful that will be. The temptation, no. It's gonna, that's the new heavens and the new earth. Jesus is going to prepare a place for us like that. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Verse 33. Jump to verse 34. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Let's just stop for a second. What is this? When I, when I read that word dissipation, I thought that sounds like an old person television commercial. Hi, my name is Scott. My wife, Henrietta, we struggle with dissipation. Do you? Often at night, we get up dissipated. Do you? <laughs> Take some dissipation no more, and you'll be no more dissipation. The New King James Version, the New King James, was that too far? <laughs> the New King James Version, I think, hits it really well. It actually uses the word carousing. So if you mix alcohol with sexuality, uh, immoral, immoral sexuality, you mix those together, carousing, that's dissipation. And so what, what Scripture is saying here is, be careful, your hearts will be weighed down with sin, dissipation, drunkenness. Listen, I just want to tell you again that, um, you, well, Scott, is, is it really that big deal? I mean, I'm always at home when I get drunk. I'm not driving. And if I am out and about, then my husband drives or my wife drives. Is it really that big of a deal? I mean, it's just, I just, uh, that's the weekend for me. It just helps me just kind of... What the problem is scripture. The problem is scripture. And so, so Jesus is saying, be careful. Your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpected. The anxieties of life. What are we supposed to do with anxieties? We cast it upon the Lord, right? Um, uh, I, I, as I read this, I thought about the parable of the farmer who's sowing seeds in Luke 8, 14. The seed that fell among them, uh, among the thorns, stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they don't mature. How do we deal with anxiety? 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Philippians chapter 4, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We take all of our anxiety. Say, Scott, you don't, you're not anxious like I am. I, I understand. There are some personalities, for whatever reason, you're given more to anxiousness. I understand that. But the fact of the matter is, 
All of us deal with anxiety and anxiousness on some level. And what we've got to learn to do is instead of sitting on it and holding on it and allowing it to affect our health and affect our mind, we've got to give it to Jesus. I just laid in bed last night finding myself getting anxious as I was thinking about a decision, some things, and it's exciting, but I don't know what to do. Lord, I'm not going to get anxious about this. I'm trusting you. I cast my anxiety on you, and I'm trusting you to give me peace, uh, which transcends all understanding. Let's believe God for that. Says Jesus says, don't get all worked up. Watch yourself here, because the time's coming. Verse 36, be always on the watch. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen, and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. That you may escape, that you may escape, that you may escape, 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 escape. You know what that makes? Can you pull up my chart? You know what that makes me as I'm reading this? That you may escape this. Wait a minute. You mean there's a way that I won't have to go through all this? There's a way that I could, that I won't have to go through all this wrath, this seven years of tribulation? Oh, wait a minute. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So as you see, that's why we believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. That's it. They're, they're great friends of mine, and maybe you, I don't know. You believe in the mid-tribulation. You believe we'll have to go through that first three and a half years, and then, and then there's those that believe post-tribulation, that right here is where the rapture, the church is actually going to have to go through all of that. We don't believe that. We believe the Lord's going to come. We're going to rise to meet him in the air. We're going to go to be with him. It's going to be awesome. And then we'll come back, but we'll come back at the end and, uh, as he's riding his white horse and we'll follow along with him. Verse 37, as we finish up, each day Jesus was teaching at the temple. Each evening he went out to spend the night on the hill called the Mount of Olives. I'm guessing, Bethany, I'm guessing Mary, Martha, Lazarus, his good friends that lived in that area, probably went back there on a regular basis to just chill and all the people came early in the morning to hear him at the temple. So, context here. Here's Jesus. He's two days, just somewhere around two days from being arrested and crucified. And what are the last moments of his life? What was he talking about? Well, if he was talking about this and this, I think it might be important for us to talk about this too from time to time we'll never understand completely everything that's on that screen i i've been i've gone to bible college i've i've studied this for years and years and i still don't understand it all but the fact of the matter is is jesus was talking about it. i'm i remember several years before my parents died uh, excuse it was actually several weeks maybe even a week or two before my parents died um, they had a conversation i didn't even know about but they had a conversation with my uncle and I don't even know how it all came about, but they explained to my uncle, yeah, we're going to sell one of our cars and we're going to do this. I don't think it was even, can you help us make some decisions about our finances? It was just a kind of a, a conversation where my parents were talking with my uncle about this. And then, of course, uh, a week or two later, my parents go to be with Jesus. And, uh, and my uncle, who actually is the, uh, what do call him, the executor of the estate or whatever, I mean, he's, in, he's the one that was actually going to be in charge of all their finances and everything, if, in fact, if they were gone, and then they were. And so I look back, and I think, man, God, you orchestrated that. I mean, that was, that was an important conversation, and, and there was a lot of things that, that my mom and dad shared with him that he was in the know on because they had that conversation. Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples. He's saying, just be ready. Be ready. 
Your redemption is drawing nigh. Don't, don't get freaked out. Don't get worried. Because stay strong. Don't get, don't get caught up in the sins. Don't get so caught up in all the sins and all the stuff that you can't. No, stay true. Don't, don't be anxious. Come on, just stay level-headed. Let, let the Holy Spirit gift you and, and bless you with the ability just to rest in me. Because I'm coming. And, uh, and Maranatha, Jesus is coming. And he's coming back. <laughs> and we can trust his word. We can trust the word of God. Now, I've gone really long today, and I apologize for that. Some of you, your stomachs are growling. But I want to pray over you because I believe if this is important enough for, for Jesus to tell his disciples, I think it's important enough for us to, to, to respond to today. Let's pray. Worship team, would you come?